All right. Well, I don't have any ink on me, so I need you to text me that. That was good. <laughs> that, that was really good. Well, it's, it's an honor to be with you guys today. Uh, this uh, app session is on leading from below. So this is for staff members uh, serving under senior leadership or any kind of leadership in our lives. And so if this is not the app that you came to, it will not hurt my feelings for you to get up and walk out right now um, because we'll just assume you came for something else. And so uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, pastor Chris Hodges, the senior pastor uh, of Church of the Highlands, was actually my youth pastor 28 years ago uh, in my hometown of Colorado Springs, Colorado. Go Broncos, man. We barely, barely pulled it out last night. Woo. Had me. I was all, our worship pastor, John Larson, was on the keys today. Uh, and, uh, and I, I recruited him to come to Birmingham with me 16 years ago. He was just a 20-year-old student then. Uh, but he, he texts me. He's like, man, we are killing them. And like, like within seconds of that text, like interception, fumble in one minute and a half. And it's like, oh, no. And so anyways. Uh, but it, but it's, uh, uh, it's, it's great to, to be a Broncos fan. We win a lot. Uh, it's great to move from, from Colorado Springs to Birmingham, Alabama, um, because we win a lot. Um, roll Tide. Uh, and, if, and if the Tide's not winning, then, then War Eagle, because they're winning as well. I mean, so there's, there's a lot of winning in, in Alabama. And so I think, I think every one of us would agree that, that winning is fun, right? It's more fun than, than losing. We all want to win. Um, and so winning's fun. Success is exciting. But, uh, but, but really, perspective is everything. Yeah. Right. And that's what this is actually all about. I want us to have a healthy perspective as staff members, uh, serving under senior leaders, uh, uh, being a part of what God is doing. Uh, a, a lot of times, unfortunately, uh, uh, people uh, will, will end up leaving what God is doing because they want to do their own thing. But I, I, I just, I'm just so convinced that I would rather be a, a, a part of, of, of something uh, bigger than yeah. myself than yeah. leading something I shouldn't go lead. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want us to have a healthy perspective on that. Uh, I want to look to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, what, what I call a perspective uh, paragraph. And Paul is, is giving perspective uh, to the church. I believe he's giving perspective to me. I believe he can give you perspective today uh, through this scripture. Uh, and then we'll, we'll launch out from that and just uh, talk about what I'm going to give you is seven perspectives on success in ministry uh, as staff members from below, from not, not as senior leaders, that we would be successful in everything that we do uh, because we are the majority of the people in the room. Like uh, at, at any conference, there's more of us than there are senior pastors. And so we need, to, we need to do our best to do what we can do and be successful in that. And so uh, I have been at Highlands for 16 and a half years. I was the first staff member and the only staff member for the first year of the church. It was just Pastor Chris and myself, uh, and actually he couldn't pay me, so I raised money like a missionary, which was actually easy because I'm from Colorado, and when I told people I'm called to go to Birmingham, Alabama, I might, might as well have said like Azerbaijan. They were like, are you kidding? You're leaving Colorado to go to Alabama? Like, yeah, I'll give you money. Like, you obviously heard from God, so I want to be a part of that. <laughs> So it was. It was actually easy to raise. I raised my year a year salary and uh, and worked at Highlands on staff, but uh, raised that money. And and so I've been around uh, a, an amazing church, but really an amazing pastor for 28 years in the church for 16, and I'm an honored to to be there. And so I'm I'm going to share my experiences from the last 16 and a half years in hopes to uh, connect what Paul says here in the scriptures to where you are, and hopefully tie all that together so we can really um, do well leading from below. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'll start in verse 5. I believe he's bringing some perspective because uh, uh, the church was getting, getting, getting kind of riled up and making a big deal of position of, of Paul and who he was versus Apollos and who he was. So what was happening is they were elevating uh, these, these two great leaders uh, to an unhealthy place. So their perspective was all messed up. And so Paul has to come in and realign their thinking, realign their perspective. And so here's what he has to say. Starting in verse 5. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's 
servants, okay? We're only God's rowers. So Paul is like, hey, I'm just in the bottom of the ship. I love that message today. I'm, I mean, just he, he's, he's, he's bringing himself down off the pedestal, saying that Paul, Apollos doesn't need to be on the pedestal. So here's Paul's view of himself. We're just servants, okay? Through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What is important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters, they work together for the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both... God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid a foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, which is Christ Jesus. Beautiful perspective. We're going to break that scripture down and go through it. And I'm going to give you seven things that we need to have the right perspective of. Number one, we have to have the right perspective of the pastor. That's what he addressed right off the bat, right? That's what he said first. Hey, we're, we're, we are only servants. We're just rowers. We're just in the bottom of the ship pushing this thing forward. That was, that was what we were called to do. This is quite interesting to me uh, because now this is coming from someone leading from below, from Timothy. He, he says some interesting things about Paul in 1 Timothy 5.17. And he's not just speaking of Paul, but other church leadership. The elders who direct the affairs of the church are well worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. So Paul is saying, I'm just a servant but Timothy is saying he's worthy, Paul is worthy of double honor. Seems a little bit contradictory. They're saying two different things, but I, I, think, it's actually, uh, I think it's actually quite beautiful. See, pride has no place with God. Right. Yeah. Right. Just no place with God. Honor is for man. Glory is for God. And, and I believe, I'm, I'm assuming this, but I think it to be true, that the, the Corinthian church was starting to give glory to man. They, were, they, they had gone from honor to glory. They, they were elevating Apollos and Paul and even arguing about who was the better leader, and it, and it got to a, a, an unhealthy place. And self-congratulations is a sign of pride. Wow. And see, Paul wasn't doing that at all. He, he wasn't taking any credit. I just happen to be a part of the process. I'm just a servant. So there wasn't any of that in, in Paul. But honor, see, is looking past the individual to the position. Yeah. See, Timothy understood that, that my, my leadership has a position that is divinely appointed. That God put Paul there or Apollos there. God put the, the pastors that we serve under in that position. And, and that is a, an anointed position. It is a position to be honored from below. See, mistakes have nothing to do with honor. Because no leader is perfect. None of them are. I believe I work for one of the greatest leaders alive today. I love my pastor. But he is not perfect, and he would be the first to tell you he is not perfect. And 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 we we don't need to think that they have to be perfect to deserve our, our honor. Right. Because it, it, perfection has nothing to do with honor. It's about a position. Honor empowers dishonored disables. And that that's not them. It's not empowering them when we honor them. It actually empowers us when we honor. It doesn't disable them if we're dishonorable to our leaders. It disables us if we do not honor them. So here's the here's here's the the connection I want to make between what Paul is saying, I'm a servant, and what Timothy is saying, I'm I'm giving him double honor. Okay, here's 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 a statement that kind of surmises all of that, and that is honor is powerful when it is given. It is destructive when it is needed. Say it again. You want me to say it again? <laughs> Honor is powerful when it is given. It is destructive when it is needed. See, Paul didn't need it. Right. Timothy knew he had to give it. 
Like it, it's going to help me if I if I if I honor uh, my my leadership. And so it's very important for us to have that perspective and 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 be honor bearers, honor carriers, lead the way in honoring. And and so I know my pastor is not perfect. But I am going to give him double honor. I'm going to make sure that I, uh, especially as the the oldest, not oldest by age, um, but longest standing staff member, I need to set an example and make sure that I'm honorable to my to my pastor. Good. See that our pastors they 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 carry the vision, but they had the vision before we ever were there. Yeah. Right. So Church of the Highlands was planted in the seed, in, as a seed in the heart of Pastor Chris and Tammy Hodges long before I ever thought about Birmingham. Right. Long before there was ever a high school rented out to have right. service in. Long before there was a dollar ever raised. It was, it was in their hearts. And so, so we have to understand the vision uh, comes through them. It was there before us. And, and the execution of that vision will happen through them. And, and because of that, I, I like to say it this way, we need to learn our leader. If we want to be honorable, we need to learn our leader because they're all different. Your leaders that you serve under, and maybe you don't serve under your senior leader. Maybe some of you serve under an associate pastor, an executive pastor, or whatever. That, that, that's totally cool. Whoever you're leading under, you need to learn your leader because they're all different. And, so, and, and I mean learn them to the degree of love language and spiritual gift mix and, and personality type and, and really what, what, what helps them the most. And so if, if you know the love languages, you know that one of them would be words of affirmation. That's high on my, on my love language. I love for you to tell me how awesome I am. I love to hear that. I love it when my wife tells me I'm the greatest looking human being that she's ever seen. And, and uh, um, she's never actually said that. Um, but it would, it would mean a lot to me if, if, if it did. <laughs> And usually we communicate in our love language, right? Right. And so it would be natural for me to go to Pastor Chris after every message. Well, Pastor Chris, that was amazing. That was the greatest message you've ever preached. Wow, you're such a great leader. You're awesome. Like that would be me communicating in my love language. But that does nothing for Chris Hodges. That's not his number one love language. His number one love language is acts of service. In other words, Lane, shut up, go do something. <laughs> See? Like that's what communicates love to my pastor is that stuff's getting done. And so I have to understand that and, and learn that relationship and learn my leader so that I am, I'm making sure that I'm making his life easier and not even communicating love that is actually not, not, not doing anything for him in a way that's not uh, for him. Now, I'm sure he doesn't mind an, a compliment now and then. And so it, all the love languages play into this. But learn your leader, okay? And, 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 and understand how they operate and what, what makes them tick. And, and I mean, I know I have, to, I have to send very short, very brief emails, right? Or he's not even going to read it. If he opens an email for me and it looks like a paragraph, it will just get deleted. Nothing, <laughs> nothing will be read. It was a waste of my time. So I have to shorten that up. Put it in bullet point form and then reread it and then reread it again. Oh, I can delete that whole sentence. Why did I like I'm serious? Like like you think that's silly, but I will I will reread an email three or four times before I send it to Pastor Chris because I, I want I'm, I want to be respectful of his time. I want to communicate and how he likes to be communicated to, and, and that is not just honoring him, but it's it's helping him do what he does. And and like one of the worst things you could ever tell a leader is is there anything I can do for you? You think that's a nice thing to say? All you did is make them work to give you something to do. So we need, to, we need to be proactive and figure out what we need to do and not ask them to come up with something for us uh, to do. The, the relationship is so, so important. And, and I, I, I love just clarifying that I think so many times, especially at church planning conferences, because we are hearing from senior leaders, we hear about cities and areas. But, but the true reality is God builds His kingdom relationally. So our relationship to our pastors is really the key relationship. It's, it's really what it's all about. It, to say it this way, God doesn't build his kingdom locationally. He builds it relationally. And so the, the relationship is what matters. I, I actually did not get called to Birmingham, Alabama. I was not called to Church of the Highlands. I was called to Chris Hodges. See, if you would have planted in, in New Jersey, I would be living in New Jersey right now. 
or Florida or, God help me, Oklahoma. Like, wherever it might be, that's where I would be because I was called to a person. I wasn't called to a place. And even as senior pastors talk about their cities, it really isn't the city they were called to. It was the people in that city. And so we have to value and appreciate the relationship that we have with our leaders because it is, it is what God is doing. And, 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 and the relationship is what is so important. Our, our Highlands College students, we, uh, we, we have right now about a thousand students in training to be placed in your churches and, and put out into the field of, of ministry and local church and the ark and all of that. And we, we tell them uh, what Pastor Chris told me uh, when I was actually 18 years old and trying to figure out my calling and, and where I needed to go and what do I do with this youth ministry calling and and uh, what church do I need to be at and what city and all this and he just he just calmed me down as a teen he said Lane don't worry about what don't worry about when don't worry about where don't worry about how all you need to worry about is who your future in ministry is all about the who the people that you choose to be around. And so we are all placed with a who and called to a who. And we need to, to value that and, and, and understand that and, and be in the house in, in honor. And so the, the right perspective of the pastor is one of honor. I've got to keep, keep moving here. Number two, we have to have the right perspective of the position. Because unfortunately, we get pretty excited about that. We usually feel called to that. Well, I'm a youth pastor. I'm a a worship leader. I'm a kids pastor. I'm a small groups pastor. Whatever that position might be, we we tend to attach our hearts uh, to a position. But that's actually the wrong perspective. Okay? Because if you're in here today and you're the youth pastor at your church, you're not the youth pastor. If you're the children's pastor, you're not really the children's pastor. You're the worship pastor, you're not really the worship pastor. The senior pastor is all of those things. Because it's not about a position. That's, that's, remember what Paul said? It's not important who does the planting or the watering. See, position is not important. That's, that's not what it's about. Your influence doesn't come from a position. Your self-worth doesn't come from a position. Your security doesn't come from a position. So don't aspire to a position. Don't hold height tightly to a, a position. I felt called to youth ministry when I was 17 years old between my junior year and senior year of high school in Pastor Chris's youth ministry in Colorado Springs at a camp. And so that's the position I was aiming for. That's, that's what I thought it was all about. So you can fast forward 13 years later, I'm in Birmingham and starting student ministries at Church of the Highlands, and that's awesome, and lead that for several years, uh, hire a high school youth pastor, a junior high youth pastor, but I'm still leading the college ministry, and I love it. And, and that's where I'm preaching every Thursday night. We have the largest college service in the city of Birmingham. Our church is still portable, but we have this office complex, and that's... That's not really cool. It's, it's like this office building behind a Walmart next to a skating rink. I mean, it was as uncool as any church location ever. And so we're having our college service there. And, and now our church is basically six and a half years old, getting ready to move into our first building where we have an auditorium. We have moving lights. We have coolness. And so I just know the college ministry is going to at least double when we get into a real building and have real stuff to do real church. Yeah. And right before we move into our building, Pastor Chris is like, hey, I want to go ahead and shut down one. That's what we called our, 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 student, uh, uh, our college service. And I'm like, like on, the, on the inside, I'm like wanting to throw up. I'm like, okay, yes, sir. All right, on the outside, and it just, it just, it's, it's, it hurts. Like, this was the one thing left in student ministries that I was literally leading myself. And so I describe it like this if you hold on to a position, it's like holding on to a blade of a knife. If somebody takes that from you and you're holding on to it, it's going to hurt real bad. You're going to bleed. It's not a pretty thing. And I wish I could tell you I learned the easy way that it's much easier to give somebody a knife with an open hand. (laughs) And so uh, it it tormented me for weeks, actually. I'm embarrassed to tell you I let it eat at me. 
just like a cancer of my soul that that I was coming up with all these reasons why he he must not be happy with me. I'm, I must not be a good enough leader. Uh, we must not reach enough students. Uh, maybe I'm not a good enough communicator. Like all this list of why, and it's all in my head. Nothing that he said. And finally, I, I just had a breaking point moment. I was actually training leaders in Europe on a missions trip, and I couldn't handle it anymore. And I remember calling. I could take you to the street corner when I'm making a very expensive phone call. This is about 10 years ago. And I, I'm like, I don't understand why we're shutting down one right before we go into this building. And, and I, I, like, am I not good enough? Am I, and I'm kind of crying a little bit and, and frustrated. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like... Man, Blaine, I, I've got I've got way more important things for you to do. We've got to we've got to add two campuses this year. We and I'm like, you have more important things for me to do. <laughs> like all just a few words, and all of a sudden I'm like, more important things to do. So for weeks. I'm miserable, even considering quitting ministry, and and it was because I was holding on to a position. And it's just it's it's not what ministry is about. It doesn't matter who does the watering, who does the planting, who gets to preach on Thursday nights, who who's called the the college pastor. None of that matters at all. None of it matters whatsoever. Ministry is a privilege, not a position. John Maxwell describes the five levels of leadership. It's pretty amazing. I wish I had time to, to talk about it. The, the first level is position. People follow you because they have to. The second level is permission. People follow you because they want to. The third level is production. People follow you because of what you've done for the organization. The fourth level is people development. People follow you because of what you've done for them. And the fifth level is pinnacle. People follow you because of who you are and what you represent. I submit that it takes decades to ever reach pinnacle. I mean, you, you, you cannot get there without age and years of faithfulness. But it's interesting to me that what we aspire to the most, what we think about the most... If you've been looking forward to a position, a promotion to a position, congratulations, you have been aspiring to the lowest level of leadership. So we've got to have the right perspective. We've got we to think about it the right way. The right perspective of the position is that it's a privilege. Number three, we need the right perspective of the paycheck. Some of you are like, well, I don't get paid. I'm a volunteer. <laughs> I feel your pain. I was a volunteer youth pastor and uh, for six of 12 years that I served in student ministry. So I was in student ministry leadership for 12 years as a volunteer. So I, I get it. I understand. And this does apply to you even if you are a volunteer. Because just like a p- position, some of you are aspiring to a paycheck, okay? And, and that, that that's a dangerous thing because I have seen... A wonderful, called, and anointed, and gifted, and pure-hearted leader go on staff and everything get destroyed in their ministry because of their perspective of the paycheck. It can be a dangerous thing when it comes to ministry uh, that that you think that you're going to now get paid uh, to serve God, and, and it can just it can mess with you. And so, at Highlands, we're very careful about this and how it's communicated. We make sure our staff know that that you do not get paid for services rendered. That's that's not why we pay you to be in ministry. What 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 does that mean? You don't do something and then receive something. Okay, so so most of us have volunteered at churches, and and that's probably how we got noticed, and that's maybe how we got hired. Okay, so we were doing it for free, and and now we're going to do it at the church full time. So so really, you're not being paid for services rendered; you're being paid so you don't have to work somewhere else. So I, I worked at Randy's High Country Towing from, uh, from really for 12 years. That's my dad's business. I worked there for 12 years before I worked at Church of the Highlands. But I was, I was a youth pastor. I was doing weddings, funerals, all as a volunteer. Like, like I, I, was, I was all in at church, and I still had a full-time job where I was getting paid for services rendered. My pay at Church of the Highlands was not paying me for what I was doing. It was paying me so I didn't have to work at Randy's Towing anymore. So it's just a shift in your, your, your paycheck. Um, 
your, your paycheck doesn't equal your value. Okay? If you're, if you're like me, you took a huge cut in pay to go into ministry. But others, especially these young people now that were, were getting placed out of Highlands College or getting jobs at, at churches, they're getting paid um, maybe more than they've ever been paid in their life. And so they, they, they could accidentally have their value attached to their pay and think they're more valuable than they really are. Or you took a cut in pay and you think you're less valuable than you really are. Do not attach pay to your value. Okay, we, we, we can't go there. Good. We have a, um, a, I hate to call it a policy. It's a value. Let me call it a value. It's not one of our four values, but we, we have a value that our staff still volunteer. So we, we, we ask the people in our church who work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, who are raising kids, and we ask them to be a part of small groups and, and be on the parking team and be on the worship team. Like, we ask them to volunteer at their church, so why would we not volunteer at the church just because we get paid? And so I am a volunteer at Highlands, and we call our volunteers Dream Team, and I've been at Highlands for 16 years. I'm on the Dream Team. Well, Lane, where do you serve on the Dream Team? Are you an usher or something? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm a pastor on Sundays. And so that, that, that's not when I volunteer. That's when I work. That's my job. So I'm a small group leader, and I'm a, I'm a volunteer at Church of the Highlands. My wife and I lead a Monday night small group right now. And so, so I'm, I'm still a volunteer. I, I visited one of our, our great churches, actually, in South Florida, and, uh, and did a little tra- staff training. And the, the senior pastor very wisely was like, hey, man, you're, you're kind of from the outside, so I'd love for you to meet with my department heads. Large church, couple campuses. And uh, just question them and report back to me if you find out anything that we could do better around here. So I, I didn't need much time. I maybe spent 10 minutes with about six or seven department heads, and I just asked them where they were you know, serving in the church, where they were volunteering in the church. And this was, this was quite a shock to the pastor. Every one of them said, well, I used to be a small group leader until I came on staff. So now they stopped leading their small groups. So their, their perspective is, oh, now I work at the church, so now there's nothing for me to do to volunteer at the church. And so um, it's, a, it's, just, it's just a different perspective. I shared that with the pastor, and he's like, oh, my goodness. So they had to just kind of reorient their culture to say, look, all the people in our church, every small group leader here has a job, and they're still volunteering. We need to do the same. And so at Highlands, every, every staff member leads a small group, every staff member. Yeah. It's not. It, it, it's it's because it, it's just like it's who we are. We we are we are we're going to do what we're encouraging the people to do. Like we're going to tithe because we we actually get paid by that. Yeah. Like to not participate in the system that is. Yeah. Like, so we're going to tithe. We're going to lead small groups, and we're actually like not leading a small group and being on staff at Highlands would be the same as not attending church on Sunday and being on staff at Highlands. Like it would be the same. Like. Are we really like, like it just it's 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 a value. It's good. What did Paul say in verse eight? He said, "The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work." Okay, so so our reward will be there, and it's not necessarily uh, in in the form that we think it is. We got to be very very careful with that. John ten eleven through thirteen. I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees the wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. Here it is. The hired hand runs away because he is only working for the money. And he doesn't care about the sheep. And so don't allow the paycheck to remove your care for the sheep. All of a sudden, you start showing up at work for the dollar instead of for the person. Wow. Like, like your motivation can get so, so messed up. Calling is worth more than compensation. <laughs> yeah. Your calling doesn't earn your compensation. Your compensation enables your calling. See, It's going to enable that uh, to happen. The right perspective of the paycheck is that ministry is a calling, not a paycheck. Good. Number four, the right perspective of the platform. Well, Lane, I don't have the platform. I'm not a worship leader, and I don't preach. 
or not as often as I would like to, or whatever. I'm not talking about the stage. I'm talking about the platform of influence, the platform of ministry, when you're on staff or a volunteer staff, when you're a part of a team making a difference for the kingdom of God, you are automatically, like it or not, on a platform. Oh, but Lane, I, I'm behind the scenes. I work in production or I, I work in the office. No, you're on a platform. You're on the team. When the Broncos win the Super Bowl, the whole team gets the ring. When, the, when those players walk into a restaurant, whether they sat at the bench or not, they're still a Denver Bronco. People notice, people know, people care. So you're, you're on the team. And even if you think no one knows, they actually do. Right. And, and they do notice you and, and, and know that you're on that team. And so we have to have the right perspective of it. See, the, the platform is not yours. It's his. So keep that in mind. And this does apply to the stage as well. For those of you that do have some stage responsibilities, the platform is not for your gain, but for their growth. It's bigger than us. None of you would be sitting here taking notes if it weren't for the platform that I'm on. I'm, I'm the same lane that 17 years ago was running a towing business. I'm no different. But if they would have introduced me today, like, hey, here's Lane Trans from Randy's Towing in Colorado Springs. <laughs> you guys would be like, I'm going to that other lab. Then I'm like, like, you only care what I have to say because of Church of the Highlands, not because of Lane. Wow. wow. It's very true. Like, you, you, you just think about that for a second. So we have to have the right perspective of the platform because we can start to start to look at it. We, we start to look at it wrong. We have to understand that it's, it's way bigger than us. Good. What did he say? Verse 10, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. What in the world is he talking about? What, 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 what does he mean, an expert builder? In 2 Corinthians in verse, or chapter 3, verse 5, he said, it's not that we think we're qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. So what, what, do, what do expert builders do? Okay, they, they build houses, right? Okay, so if you're going to build a house, you're going to need multiple contractors to build that house. Somebody's going to lay the concrete. Somebody's going to do the framing. Somebody's going to do the flooring. Somebody's going to do the cabinets, yeah. right? So what do you do as an expert builder when your drywall contractor doesn't show up? Do you throw your hands up in the air and say, well, the house is not getting built. Nope. It's over. Nope. No. The expert builder will hire somebody else. Yep. Okay? So we have to look at this platform that we're on. Okay, we're serving under leadership, building this house. Okay, We have the privilege, the honor, to get to be a, a subcontractor. And so we have to understand that if we don't do it, God will find somebody else. Okay, What I'm a part of is, is bigger than the part that I play. And God will give you opportunities because of your platform, not because of your personality. Right. And that can go to your head and it can mess you up. And so we, we have to have the, the, the right perspective of it. And that it doesn't belong to us. Good. The right perspective of the platform is that it's not yours, it's God's. Amen. Number five. The right perspective of the pain. This one's not fun. <laughs> We go to conferences and we hear senior leaders talk about the pain that they go through, but I'm here to share pain as well, right? It's not just them. It's, it's all of us. When you step into ministry, you are uh, enlarging the, the enemy's target on your back and you are more susceptible to attack and pain and, and agony and different things. And, and it's just the reality that tough days are coming. It's, it's not something that we get to escape. So if they're coming, we just have to decide how are we going to handle it. Good. People will hurt you. How will you heal? I mean, it's, we, we've heard that even today, just about the different things and how, like, literally that, that description, Pastor uh, 
Judd gave of the car doing donuts. Yeah, I, 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 you know that feeling. You know that feeling when somebody just rips your heart out and they're just crashing around inside of you with their car doing demolition derby. I was like, yes, I know what that feels like. But we, ha- we have to remember our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? But I love to think of it this way. Pain is always accompanied by possibility. So which way are you going to go with that? Craig Rochelle, pastor of the largest church our country's ever seen, says your level of success will be determined by the level of pain you can endure. Put that on your refrigerator. That's not fun to think about. But it's true. So can you learn how to handle the pain? Can you have the right perspective of the pain? 1 Thessalonians, here words of Paul. 2, 2. You know how badly we've been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there, yet God gave us the courage to declare His good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. It's, it's all a part of, of the process. And my pain is totally different than your pain. All of us have experienced different levels of pain, So, especially those of you that have really experienced some traumatic things in ministry. I'm not, I'm not at all going to try to compare my pain to yours. Yours is probably much, much worse than mine, but I'll, I'll just share two examples. One is Highlands College, which now has a 1,000 students being trained for ministry, did start in my basement 16 and a half years ago. Actually, 16 years ago yesterday, September 11th, 2001, was our first day of class. Wow. Yes, just crazy. Wow. And uh, our first missions trip, we, we took our students two weeks later to Ground Zero and worked with Salvation Army on the rubble, actually, while 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 uh, uh, the, the teams were working. It was unbelievable. God just kind of arranged that. But, but one of those students who was with me at Ground Zero, who I had been a small group leader in Colorado years uh, through high school, and then recruited him to come with me to Birmingham and help start this. John Larson being one of those guys. Kellen Coldirons, our creative pastor, he's here. He's one of those guys. John's wife, Debbie's uh, on that team. John Prenzner is here uh, on our team. He's he's helping uh, program the services. Like there, there are four staff members that were a part of that that are still with us 16 years later. But one of the students who I was his small group leader when he was in high school, just just about five years ago, decides to go on Facebook and just write a, a huge article about how I spiritually abused and controlled him while he was in our, our ministry school. And I, I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of embarrassed to tell you that that one little, like, Facebook post, I almost quit. Like, completely destroyed my wife and I. She's in tears. I'm in tears. Like... Like, if I would have saw him an hour earlier, I would have given him the biggest hug. Like, I mean, they live in a different city, so I, I, I would have been so excited. I had no idea that all this junk had been growing in his heart. And it comes out for the whole world to see, and it happens to be that we all have the same friends. So, painful. Absolutely painful. Thankfully, I have a wonderful pastor, and I went immediately. I didn't let it stir up in me for weeks and weeks. But that night, I talked to Pastor Chris, and he he said, this is one of those moments, Lane, where you have to decide if it's worth it. Wow. If you're going to go to the next level in ministry, you're going to have to get through this. Because it won't be the last time somebody hurts you. And and, 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 and really, it was just a turning point moment. Just to, just to even have the conversation, healing came. And, and, and my heart was beginning to heal very, very quickly. And, and probably within a week, I was, I was great. Then he posted part two. <laughs> it's, it just doesn't stop, right? Ended up like over like two months, there were four posts. It was just crazy. But you just got you to gotta, you learn how to, how to handle that. A, a year, basically a year and three months ago, I was in my hometown of Colorado Springs. I had my oldest daughter who's now 18, and my, uh, she was with me. My youngest daughter, who was 14, was with my wife at home at 3.30 in the morning. Uh, uh, I know now who did it, so we didn't know this then, but a, a 33-year-old who I was his college pastor 10 years previously at Church of the Highlands who has some mental struggles, came to our house at 3.30 in the morning, did $12,000 worth of vandalism to my truck in the driveway, which was not the worst part. The worst part was that he stood on top of the truck, took a dump on the truck, urinated on the truck. I mean, just nasty, evil attack on my family. And then he broke into our house with my baby girl up in her bedroom. 
my wife home. Thank God an alarm went off and they left immediately. But you just you just start to question it all. Yeah. Took a couple weeks to find out who did it and 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 that made it worse. Like if it would have been some teenagers being crazy, we would have been kind of okay with it. But when you find out it's somebody you pastored, who you loved, who you invested in, who is coming after you, it's like, you know what? I think I'll go back to driving a tow truck. Because nobody was crapping on my car when I was driving a tow truck. Like, like and to be honest with you, you have those thoughts. And then all of a sudden, you, you, you've let a former student almost take you out of ministry you know and now another former student almost take you out of ministry and you just you just oh, the right perspective of the pain is that it's worth it yeah. that's all I can just tell yeah. you yeah, it's good number six the right perspective of the praise this is not praise and worship by the way this is thanks gratitude we're in ministry. We help people. When you help people, they're thankful. Not all of them, but most of them are. And when they're thankful, they say thank you. They say I appreciate you. They give you a hug. Sometimes they give you a Starbucks gift card. They, they might give you a gift. They might give you five hugs. They, they might say the worst thing you should ever say to anybody that preaches. That was the greatest message I've ever heard. You've changed my life. Don't ever tell anybody that. Okay? So what do you do with the praise? What's the right perspective? Don't let it land on your ego. But on His grace. See, God will use you. Actually, God has to use you because He loves people. So He's going to use you to touch people. The enemy will use the praise to destroy you with pride. The thanks, the you're amazing, and this small group has changed my life, and I appreciate you, and my marriage is saved because of you. Whatever they're saying, we have to be very careful with that. So how do we how do we actually handle it? Accept compliments, deflect glory. We don't need to be rude or stupid. <laughs> kind of like kind of like Miles in the whole I, I don't see color. Like 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 if somebody's like I th- thank you so much for leading this small group it's changed my life. Oh, I it wasn't me, it was God. Yeah. It's like, well no, I was actually at your house. <laughs> Ate your Doritos. Right? Like so don't just don't just be super spiritual. Oh no, it wasn't me. Well, yeah, it was. <laughs> but but accept the compliment. Well, well thank you very much. I give God all the glory. I'm so thankful that I could be a part that I could be a part of your journey. I'm just so so thankful for that. Like, oh, pastor, that was a great message. I, I just got saved. Thank you so much. It's like, well, well, thank you. I'm honored that I got to give it. But actually, if I wasn't here today, you still would have got saved. Somebody would have given the word. It wasn't because of me. It was because of what God was doing. And we, we have to be very, very careful. James 6, 4, 6, God gives grace generously, right? As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Don't forget where you came from. I look in the mirror, I, honestly, I still see a tow truck driver. Like those of us that played high school sports or even college sports, we still think we can do it. We can't. We just visualize it. Well, I still visualize myself as a tow truck driver. And I think that just helps. Like I, I wore a uniform for 12 years, had my name right here, Lane, right here. And I'm kind of proud of it. And I need that to remind me that it doesn't matter how 40,000 people at church, that doesn't matter. Lane, you know where you came from. Like, like don't, don't forget that. So what did Paul say about this? I planted, this was verse 6, the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. See, this is a humbling verse. It's a perspective verse. And it's a very helpful verse if you have ever struggled with someone in leadership who has fallen morally and has disappointed you or has, has, has caused this question in your head, God, how could you have been using them when they were doing that? Yeah. And, and, and see, this verse explains it, actually. See, see, my pastor in Colorado, my pastor for 12 years, had a moral failure that was on every news station for weeks. It's the hardest thing I've ever dealt with in my life. Harder than the, the, the truck incident. Harder than the, the blog. The hardest thing I've ever gone through is a moral failure of my pastor of 12 years. 
and reconciling that. God, how could you have been using him for so long when he was doing so much crazy stuff? didn't make sense to me until you realize what this scripture actually says. So the right perspective of the praise is that the power is in the seed, not the sower. The right perspective of the praise is that the power is in the seed, not the sower. So you wonder how God could use somebody that's in deep in sin and nobody knows about it? Well, last time I checked, we're all in sin. So there is no perfect minister, no flawless, sinless minister. So he's always using sinners. And so it just helps me to know. This healed my heart, actually. Struggled with my pastor's moral failure for about three years until I heard that phrase from actually Bob Hoskins, the founder of One Hope, who they're sponsoring uh, this event. Shared it in a small room, and I was like, oh my goodness. I was healed instantly when he said that phrase. My heart was healed. But it's also humbling to know that when you do something that impacts someone's life and they give you the praise, they thank you for it, you know what? The power was not in me. It was in the seed. Thank God. So don't it, it won't go to our head when we know that it wasn't in us to begin with. We just had the privilege to plant perfect seed. We're not perfect, but we planted perfect seed. Number seven. The right perspective of the prize. You guys can put this one together. Our prize doesn't exist here. It's not a paycheck. It's not a position. It's not the praise. It's not a bigger platform, more notoriety. It's not more followers on Instagram. It's, it's not any of those things. That's not what our prize is. Our treasure is where? In heaven. It's what we do for eternity that matters most. Our prize is not the pay, but our inheritance. That's the prize. Good. Colossians 3, 23-24. I'll read it out of the message. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master. Guess what? Your real master is not your pastor. Or whoever you report to. For God. Confident that you will get paid in full. When will you get paid in full? When you come into your inheritance. Everybody say inheritance. inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you are serving is Christ. The principle here is called sonship. And this will change everything. If I could only teach one thing, I would only teach this perspective. Because I believe it actually helps us with all other perspectives. That we would have the heart, the mind, the spirit of sons and daughters in the house. It changes how everything operates, how we deal with pain, how we deal with position, how we deal with all of these things. And that that I am not an employee, I'm an heir. See, I'm so thankful that I grew up in a towing business that was a family towing business. My dad bought our first tow truck when I was two years old, so I didn't know anything else. If you've ever seen the movie Cars, there are two superstars in the movie Cars. One is Lightning McQueen, race car, tow mater, tow truck. Not only did my dad have a tow truck, he also raced cars. So I grew up with Mater in the driveway and McQueen in the garage. I had the greatest childhood of any child ever, ever. It was awesome. And this was way before Pixar, okay? So, so I grew up in this family business. Later on, I, I began to work in the family business. My dad's old school. Some of you can identify with this if you've ever worked for a, a parent or a family member. Old school means Lane's not getting any special treatment. Yeah. <laughs> like no one in this company will ever say, well, he's driving the new truck because he's the boss's son. Yeah. Like, no, I would get the oldest, rattiest truck. That was my truck. And when everybody's out making money, I would have to change the clutch out in a broken tow truck. Or I would have to fix the brakes in a broken tow truck. I would have to clean the toilet in the toy, tow truck shop. Whatever you think of a nasty bathroom, just multiply it by 10, okay? But here's kind of here's the summation of it. I didn't really care. I had the best attitude in the worst truck, cleaning the toilet. Didn't matter. See, the other employees were not sons. They weren't heirs. So as I'm cleaning the toilet... Or at 2 in the morning during a blizzard when everybody's making money and I'm underneath a truck with ice melting off of it, changing the clutch out, not making a dollar. I have a better attitude than everybody because I'm a son. Because I'm going to own all of it. 
<laughs> Someday, you're all working for me. So I had the best attitude. I did the best job, even though, even though I was probably treated the worst. Because I was an heir. See, we got to have that perspective. We're heirs to the house. You get out of the car in the church parking lot or the high school that you rent, and you're walking up to the church, you pick up the trash because that's your parking lot. I cleaned the worst tow truck cleaner than the guys were cleaning the new tow truck because that was going to be my tow truck because I owned it. When hands go up and people get saved, it's not the it's not the inheritance of the pastor who was giving the message. No, it's the inheritance of the sons and daughters who are in the house. And I honestly believe this with this, and this is lame theology. Okay, I believe you can miss out on inheritance doing the same things as the people next to you on the same staff because you missed out on what it means to be a son or a daughter. If you're there for the paycheck and you're not there for the inheritance, your heart's in the wrong place. And I believe you can miss out on what God has for you with the wrong perspective in that. I'll end with Galatians, which just lays this thing out so perfectly. And then we'll be finished. Galatians 3.26 through 4.7. It's one thought. have no idea why there's a chapter break. Galatians 3.26 through 4.7. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all have been united with Christ in baptism, have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, employee or heir, I would say. Okay, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not better off than slaves until they grow up. And even though they actually own everything their their father had, they have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father said. And that's the way it was with Christ before with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were like slaves to the basic principle, spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, and now you are no longer a slave. I say you are no longer an employee, but you are God's own child, and since you were his child, God has made you an heir. So the right perspective of the prize is that it's your inheritance. And so if we can think, act, feel like sons and daughters, like heirs, that will give us the right perspective to get through anything in ministry. That will be the biggest game changer that we could have for what God calls us to do.